Uh, Would you please turn with me to your study outlines? And as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are watching online. We are so glad that you're joining us. Now, just before we get into this study, I just want to do something to put everybody in a good mood. You know, as a, as a speaker, you always like your audience to kind of be warmed up a little bit. And so we're just going to take 20 seconds to all feel happy together. Let's do that right now. I, I feel happier. How about you? You know, and, and being from Los Angeles, isn't it just sweeter when you beat a New York City team? I, I don't know what it is. It just feels that much uh, better. Now, we're going to take a break from the story, like I just mentioned. And by the way, just let me do another quick commercial. Take that coupon, get a free copy of this, and be back next Sunday. This is the perfect time to join in our study, because we're just moving to the New Testament, the story of Jesus. And so this would be just a great time to join with us. Get a hold of this. Come back next Sunday. We just read a chapter of it a week. It only takes about 10 or 15 minutes. And then we're kicking into the story of Jesus. And next Sunday, because we're starting with the birth of Jesus, we're going to celebrate Christmas in June. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. We're going to have Christmas carols. We're going to have Christmas music. People are going to wear their ugly Christmas sweaters if you want to. I'm not saying you have to. It might be 105 degrees, but if you want to wear your ugly Christmas uh, sweaters, and we are going to, and then the message is going to be on Christmas because we're starting with the beginning of the story of Jesus next Sunday, and then as I mentioned, the Sunday after that, we have our patriotic musical and the other things uh, leading up to the 4th of July. But today, we just want to take a break from that to focus in on Father's Day, and can I just just say something. You know, we celebrate all men, uh, not just fathers, but all men on Father's Day. And can I just say to you guys that you that are here are my kind of guys. I say this every year, but I want to say it again. I know the drill. On Mother's Day, you do what the women want to do. But on Father's Day, you do what the guys want to do. And the fact that you got to pick what to do and you chose to be here to worship God and to study his word, you're my kind of guy. Could we let them know how much we love and appreciate them? Now, every once in a while, I like to do what we call a historical biblical sermon. As I mentioned, a couple of weeks, I'm going to do this on George Washington. Today, we're doing this on Jackie Robinson. It's called Men of Purpose. Normally, we call this uh, little series that we do every once in a while. We kind of jump in and out of uh, People of Purpose, but today being Father's Day, we're going to call it Men of Purpose. Men of Purpose Church, our uh, mission statement as a church is finding purpose in Christ, in community, for the journey. And no better example than Jackie Robinson of how to live biblical principles every day in your life. Uh, We love to pick examples and say, what does it look like? We need heroes. We need Christ-following heroes. Where we say, you know, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. To say, here's a person that took biblical principles off the page of Scripture and lived them within their lives. And Jackie Robinson is just a perfect example of that. We feel like we know the story, particularly if you saw the movie 42. But one thing that's not always emphasized that much. I'm, I'm happy that the movie mentioned it a little bit. But it, it's not nearly enough. Because do you know the real story behind the story? is that the driving motivation behind Jackie Robinson was that he was a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. 
He was an on-fire Christian. So was Branch Rickey, who was the um, general manager for the Brooklyn Dodgers, the other uh, key character in in that story. These were on-fire Christians who were doing what they were doing because they believed that they were fulfilling God's purpose that God had made them for, his purpose in their lives. Now, you can see so much the principle in Jackie Robinson's life that God never wastes anything in your life. Those of you that are younger, you might think that there are certain things you're doing and and what's the point of that. God, and those of us that are older can can hang on to this and, and affirm this, that God never wastes anything. It's crazy how that... Uh, geology class you took as a sophomore in college that you think, what in the world does that have to do with what I'm doing right now? It's amazing how God will use that. I mean, just this last week, I had a random thing that happened to me in college that just came in handy this past week, years, years later. God doesn't waste anything. And boy, you can see that in the life of Jackie Robinson. Uh, You see it in his early years with his mother's influence. Proverbs 22, verse 6, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Jackie Roosevelt Robinson was born in Cairo, Georgia on January 31st, 1919. His mother's name was Mally uh, Robinson. You'll see the family picture up there. And uh, she named him this because she had admired uh, Teddy Roosevelt uh, because he was a great leader. He was a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And he was also a fierce opponent of racism. And so she gave him the middle name Roosevelt. Now, I, I actually have a connection with Jackie Robinson because my middle name, Kermit, uh, I'm a junior. My dad was born in 1913, and my grandparents admired Teddy Roosevelt as well. So they named his middle name after one of the sons of Teddy Roosevelt. But it's so unfair, Jackie Robinson gets Roosevelt, I get Kermit. So what's, uh, what's fair about that? Seemed like a good idea at the time. Decades before the frog. Um, uh, Jackie's father, um, unfortunately, left the family a few months after he was born. So the mother took the kids and moved to Pasadena, California. Uh, She made sure that her children were in church every Sunday. Uh, She taught them the value of prayer, which was going to come in very important in Jackie's life later on. A hostile white Pasadena neighbors tried to drive them out of the neighborhood. They even burned a cross on their lawn. But his mother's, Jackie's mother's dignity, kindness, and hard work eventually won them over. Now, do you see that from an early age? Where did Jackie Robinson learn to handle um, the, the intolerance and the prejudice that he faced when he broke the color barrier in baseball with dignity, kindness, and hard work? He did it by watching his mom even at an early age. Once Jackie and some friends retaliated for a white man's racial slur by spreading tar on his lawn. His mother forced him to repair the damage, supervising the repairs herself. Because she believed, here's the key, because she believed that the Bible taught that Christians were to bless those who persecuted them. His mom believed it. His mom lived it. He saw it modeled at an early age. Now, he was to encounter, he and his family, a great deal of racism. Uh, Jackie's brother, Mac, and this is fascinating how these important characters in history kind of intersect with each other. His brother, Mac, was an even bigger athletic star than Jackie was when they were young. And his brother, Mac, won the silver medal at the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Those were Hitler's Olympics, you know. Well, he won the silver medal, his brother, right behind Jesse Owens. 
So Jesse Owens got the gold. Jackie Robinson's brother, Mac, got the silver. Now, Mac came home as a triumphant national hero, but because of racism, the only job he could get in America was as a street sweeper at that time, even though he came home uh, such a hero. Uh, Jackie enrolled at Pasadena Junior College in 1937. Later, he went to UCLA. He continued to encounter racism in the form of not being served at certain restaurants, not being allowed to stay at certain hotels, and harassment uh, by the police. And he had a terrible time struggling to control his temper. Then one day he met a pastor named Carl Downs. Uh, Pastor Downs began to mentor Jackie and taught him how to live out in his life verses like the ones you see there um, in your study outline. Uh, Verses like uh, Proverbs 16, 32, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Uh, Also, uh, passages like Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And 1 Peter 5, verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And so this pastor began to mentor him in living out those verses in his life. Then in the fall of 1940, he met somebody who would change his life, a 17-year-old freshman nursing student by the name of Rachel Issam. Uh, She was an on-fire follower of Jesus, just like Jackie. And being yoked to her in marriage, uh, like it says there in that verse in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, this really helped him grow in his walk with Jesus. And she was a tremendous support to him during the times that were ahead of him. Um, Then came World War II, as you turn to the next page of your study outline, and the army years. And he, as he continued to encounter racism, he was building spiritual muscles to prepare him for the future. And you see this principle. We've talked about this many times in um, the life of David. That passage you see there, First uh, Samuel chapter 17. Where when David was preparing to fight Goliath, uh, he said, The God who helped me to defeat the bear and defeat the uh, lion is now, I've learned those lessons, and now I'm going to apply them in defeating the giant. And I always say it sounds like an NFL season. He defeated the bears, then he defeated the lions, and now he's going to defeat the giants. And so I use that joke every time I come to that passage, and uh, I can't stop myself from it. So in the same way that we don't really know the story of the bear or the lion, but it led up to the story of David and Goliath. In the same way, we all know that Jackie Robinson broke the race barrier in baseball. But there are events leading up to that that prepared him. There were bears and lions in his life that prepared him to ultimately face uh, that Goliath. He continues to face racism in the military. He was an expert marksman, passed the test for officer candidate school. But because of racism, he was turned down for officer training and instead was assigned to look after horses. He's a groom, a stableman, looking after horses rather than being an officer. Now, he was furious about this. And so here's where it intersects another great American in, in, in the past. He tells Joe Lewis, who was the heavyweight boxing champion of the world at that time, who had joined the Army for World War II, and they were stationed at the same fort. So he tells Joe Lewis about it. Joe Lewis had connections at the White House, so he got the decision changed, and Jackie got his officer's commission. As an officer, he fought for things like more stools for black soldiers and their families at the local soda fountain. 
uh, they wouldn't let him play on the Fort baseball team or the, the Fort football team, but they did allow him to play table tennis. And in 1943, he became the champion of the army in ping pong. Um, it's kind of like Forrest Gump. That was the same thing with Forrest Gump, right? You know, Greg, that's a real person. Forrest Gump is an historical figure as well. Okay. Uh, then in 1944, he gets arrested by the military police for not sitting in the back of the bus. Eric Metaxas writes, Jackie's deep religious faith helped him through this latest crisis. These difficult experiences may have been God's way of warming up Jackie for what he had planned for him later. They were, in effect, spiritual spring training for the even more difficult episodes that Jackie would face in the not-too-distant future. And that one man, of course, was Jackie Robinson. What better Father's Day for me, a, a diehard hired Dodger fan, uh, and uh, be able to talk about Dodgers and Jesus on, on Father's Day. So, in November of 1944, he was, Jackie Robinson was honorably discharged from the Army, and he signed a contract to play for the Kansas City Monarchs, a Negro League team. And little did he know, or anyone know at that time, what would be in store for him in his baseball career. That's when Branch Rickey enters the story. Branch Rickey was a 64-year-old, colorful, a legendary, a relentless innovator in baseball. And he had already uh, come up with all kinds of innovations and ideas that changed baseball, like the batting helmet, batting cages, pitching machines, uh, minor league farm systems, and spring training. A lot of things. Statistical analysis. What's baseball without statistics, right? That came from Branch Rickey. But what, what he would come to next was uh, something that uh, would eclipse all of those things. As Pastor Glenn said, Branch Rickey was a, a, a Christ follower. And he believed that his, uh, the Bible taught, and, and as a, a Christ follower, he needed to confront injustice and evil wherever he found it. And where he found it was in his baseball, in the national pastime, in the game that he loved, in the segregation laws that kept black players from being able to play in Major League Baseball. And he felt like uh, he recognized that he had been given a position and a standing in baseball where he could do something about it. And he believed that God wanted him to do that. The only question was, how should he go about it? And who would be that first black player to play in the major leagues? And he knew that the other owners and managers in the league didn't share his conviction. In fact, they would fight against uh, the integration. And, and also many players and fans would be opposed to it. And so he took to heart Jesus' instructions in Matthew 10 to be as shrewd as a snake and innocent as a dove. So he kept his intentions uh, a little uh, private during this time. Instead, he announced that he was going to, they were going to form a, uh, a Negro League team, the Brooklyn Brown Dodgers. And so he started uh, being able to scout black players and keep his uh, plans secret until it was time to let those out. Soon, uh, Ricky's attention and the scout's attention focused on Jackie Robinson. Scott Simon uh, a, a biographer of Jackie Robinson said this, that Jackie had everything Ricky was looking for. Robinson could run, hit with power, field with grace, steal bases, bunt shrewdly, and excel in the game's mental aspects. He was a college man, a veteran, a world-caliber athlete, and a handsome man with a shy smile. But as important as Ricky saw that Robinson had uh, all those things, his experience of playing with white players was also important. And most importantly, like Ricky, 
He was a committed Bible-believing Christian with strong moral character. And all of these things would become important in the struggle that was ahead for both of them. So in August of 1945, Ricky sent a scout to bring uh, Jackie Robinson to New York to have a meeting with him. Ricky had been planning for this for months. He'd been dreaming about it for years, but Jackie Robinson had no idea why he was there to meet him. And so when they met, Ricky asked Robinson, do you know why you've been brought here, Jackie? He said, well, I I assume it's to play for the Brooklyn Brown Dodgers, I presume. He said, no, Jackie, you've been brought here to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers organizations, perhaps starting with the minor league Montreal team. Jackie was stunned. The words he was hearing, there's no way that he could take those in and decipher them at that moment as Ricky continued. If you can make it in Montreal, then you'll have a chance to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And Ricky laid out his uh, uh, long-held plan of of how they were going to go about this. And then he asked Jackie, can you do it? And when he asked that question, he wasn't asking if he had the baseball ability. He knew that he could do that. He knew that if he was going to be the first major league uh, black ball player, that he was going to face all kinds of abuse, both verbal and, and physical. And so he, he, he took off his coat, uh, Ricky took off his coat, and he, he peppered Jackie with a, a dramatic pop quiz. Uh, he played, acted out different parts. First, he was the, uh, the rude hotel manager that uh, denied Jackie accommodations. Then he was the, the, the pompous waiter in a restaurant who wouldn't serve him his food. Then he was the uh, rude, obnoxious railroad conductor who heaped all kinds of vile abuse on him. And then he was a vengeful uh, opposing player who who kicked him and and tore his flesh with his spikes. And as the uh, the temperature in the room got hotter and hotter, he got into Jackie's face and he said, now what are you going to do? Jackie came right back and said, I'm not afraid. I've been able to, to defend myself in fistfights all my life. I, I, can, I can take whatever challenge comes my way, and I'm sure I can face up to whatever challenge comes at this time. To that, Ricky snapped back to him, that won't cut it. Because you're not only going to have to tolerate the abuse, you can never, ever hit back. You can never, ever fight back. Because this isn't about you, Jackie. It's about all those who will be able to come behind you when that door is open to black ball players. We can change the game of baseball and we can change history forever. So from that first conversation when Branch Rickey uh, turned his attention to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, and and referred to Jesus' instructions, they both knew as Christ followers that they were going to need their faith and the the instructions of Scripture to what they were going to embark on. And Jackie knew that resisting the urge to fight back even with all that training he'd received in his younger years, it was going to be beyond what he had in his own strength. And so he knew, and, and Branch Rickey believed that this was God's will, and if it was God's will, that he would provide the strength. And so he lived out Philippians 4.13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so there in that office, with the uh, portrait of Abraham Lincoln up on the wall behind him, Branch Rickey and... and um, Jackie Robinson shook hands and then made that historic decision. Jackie Robinson became an example to all of us of what strength looks like in a man, in a person of purpose. 
You know, we get this uh, sometimes when we hear uh, that we're supposed to turn the other cheek or we're supposed to be servants. There's this idea that Christians are supposed to be weak and, and, and pushovers and, and have no backbone. But that's not the, the, the Jesus of the Bible that we see. Yes, Jesus laid down his life for us. Yet he confronted evil and injustice each time and was victorious over it. He was the ultimate example of, of power and strength personified in his life. And so we are called also to lay down our lives. We're, we're called to lay down our egos, our pride, our self-centeredness, but we're not called to be pushovers uh, for evil, but to confront it and find victory in, in Christ. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit, of God, the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. So Jackie signed a contract to play for the minor league team in Montreal that next spring, and he was to report to Florida, Daytona Beach. Uh, and so he and Rachel set out from California uh, to make it all the way to uh, spring training. And as they, they right away experienced the segregation, the awful treatment that they were going to have throughout uh, the rest of the, the next coming years, uh, they were... They were uh, kicked off and bumped off several flights. They were forced to stay in a filthy hotel. They were not served in a restaurant. They wouldn't serve them food. And then eventually they got put on a bus. They had to sit in the back of the bus, the most uncomfortable seats, for 32 miserable hours to get to spring training. And Jackie's first game in a Montreal uniform took place on April 18, 1946 in New Jersey. That day he officially broke the color line in professional baseball. He did it by having four hits, a three-run home run, scored four times, and stole two bases, leading his team to a 14-1 victory. As Ricky predicted, uh, he quickly became the target of all kinds of abuse. He was uh, refused in restaurants and hotels, and there was all kinds of race baiting and and, uh, all kinds of things that were heaped on him. But God, with God's help, Jackie was able to avoid responding in kind, and despite all those temptations, Throughout his rookie season, he showed himself to be a man of character. That season, he batted a team record 349 and won the batting crown, the first Montreal uh, had ever had. And he led his team to the most wins in team history and the league pennant. And so that next season, on April 10th, 1947, he was called up to the major leagues, Brooklyn Dodgers. And with that jump to the, the majors, also the abuse and the, the hatred and the vitriol uh, increased and intensified as well. Sadly, uh, many of the opponents of what Jackie Robinson and, and Branch Rickey were doing would come out to the stadium, would fill the stadiums, and would just heap abuse and hatred upon him uh, from the stands. But even, uh, even worse, maybe, was uh, some of his own teammates took up a petition uh, or asked to be traded because they didn't want to play with a black player. Just 12 days after he signed with the Dodgers, they were playing the Philadelphia Phillies, and uh, Ben Chapman, the manager of the Phillies, uh, started out so much uh, vile abuse, just heaping it up from, uh, from the dugout, and he inf- encouraged the rest of his team to do it, and so they, it continued throughout the whole game. It was so bad, and, and then the next game, it was even worse. Jackie remembered the pain many years later. He said, I could scarcely believe my ears, and I was strongly tempted to go back on my word to Mr. Ricky." But he held his tongue and his temper. He was a living example of Romans 12, verse 19 to 21, where we read, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave good room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. 
On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Ironically, that flood of hatred that came from Chapman and the Phillies backfired because what it did is it infuriated his Dodger teammates so much that they all uh, became on his side once and for all. Later that uh, same year, or later in the season, uh, they went to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati was still a city that was still heavily under the segregation laws, and, and one of the hometown heroes was Pee Wee Reese, one of uh, Robinson's teammates. And uh, as, they, uh, as they, they took the field, there was so much abuse coming from the stands, and Pee Wee Reese uh, went over from his shortstop position, went over to Jackie Robinson at first base and put his arm around him and, and looked up to the crowd as if to say, if you're against him, you're against me, and you're against us. And that became an important signature moment. And uh, there's a statue, uh, as you see here, commemorating that at the Brooklyn Baseball Stadium today. The abuse continued throughout the season on the road in hotels and restaurants. Uh, they refused to serve Jackie, and so he had to stay alone uh, and uh, eat alone away from his team. Letters uh, containing death threats came by the, by the hundreds. And as he played in games, he was stepped on, he was kicked. He, they were threw baseballs at his head. Uh, there were, uh, spi- he was spiked even to the point where he had a seven-inch gash in his leg. Despite all of it, Jackie kept his cool and he kept his promise to Branch Rickey. And he kept his reliance on God, getting down on his knees to pray for God's strength each day. By the end of 1947, Jackie Robinson was one of the most famous men in America. He batted 297, had 175 hits, scored 125 runs, and led the league in sacrifices and stolen base. And literally, by the grace of God, got through the season without one single incident of retaliation. Anyone with eyes could see that what he had accomplished in not fighting back and not responding in kind was the greatest accomplishment in sports that had ever been seen. In 1948, several other black players were invited to play in the the major leagues. And gradually the level of injustice and hatred and, and abuse tailed off and he went on to have a spectacular Hall of Fame career. Anyone who doubted whether this man had the baseball abilities had to think second time about it. Anyone who doubted whether he could withstand the abuse that would come also had to think, think a second time about that. What he had accomplished, uh, he, Branch Rickey could see that his noble, difficult experiment was a tremendous success. And the rest is history. As Pastor Glenn taught us in the book of Esther a couple weeks ago, we heard these words from Esther chapter 4, which says, And who knows, but you have come to your position for such a time as this. The Jackie Robinson story reminds us of that, that verse because of Jackie Robinson and the position he gave, gained to break the color barrier. But you don't have to be a professional athlete or you don't have to be a general manager of a baseball team to, to have a part in, in God's story. And we see that each of us, whether we're a, a father or a mother, a son or a daughter, a teacher or a student, a boss or an employee, God has given each of us a, a position today. And when we trust and depend and obey him, God changes lives and he changes history and he changes the world. We see that in Jackie Robinson's mother, in his wife, in his pastor, in his teammates, in managers and and trainers and everyone who had a part of the story. 
And who knows that you and I have come to our position today for such a time as this. And as we trust and depend and obey him, what God will do to change lives and change the world. On the morning of October 24th, 1972, Rachel was fixing breakfast, and all of a sudden Jackie raced in from the bedroom into the kitchen, wrapped his arms around his wife of 26 years, and said, I love you, and collapsed into her arms. He died in the ambulance of a heart attack on the way to the hospital. He was 53 years old. The Bible says in Acts 13, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, and I might add, and opened his eyes in heaven. And there's nothing better that we could put on our tombstone, there's nothing better that could be said about us at our funeral than just like David, just like Jackie Robinson, we serve God's purpose in our own generation, and then we fall asleep. And we wake up in heaven, face to face with Jesus. Uh, Jackie Robinson had a quote I want to show you. He said, a life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives. Two things are going to last forever, God's word and people. And that's where we want to invest ourselves. God's word, people, and connecting the two of them. And whatever tools God can give you in the days ahead. Maybe you've got a friend that would connect with this message. Get on the phone. Invite him to come back tonight. Um, maybe you've got somebody that would enjoy the patriotic musical. Get on the phone and give him a ticket. Invite him in a couple of weeks. Maybe you've got a friend that likes Christmas. I bet there's somebody out there. Got a friend that can't get enough of Christmas? Tell him, we're starting in June this year, you know. Invite him next Sunday. Uh, a life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives. Go to heaven and take the people in your sphere of influence, what we call here oikos, the Greek word for household, the 8 to 15 in your sphere of influence. Go to heaven, take those people with you, and you will fulfill God's purpose for your life in this generation. Let's stand up for the benediction. And uh, as we close, I just want to... Um, do a blessing on the men here, on everybody here, but particularly on the men of purpose of PFB Purpose Church. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's family said, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.